Welcome to the new TV Gold podcast from Media Week's Andrew Mercado and James Manning, a podcast for people who love great television. On this episode of TV Gold, we're going to look at One Night, a new Aussie series coming on Paramount Plus, and who is Erin Carter, a series new to Netflix. Joining me as he does every episode, Andrew Mercado. Welcome, Andrew. Hi, James. Let's start with who is Erin Carter. Yeah. Now, I want you to start because you've watched (laughs) more episodes of it than me. And when you tell me what it's about, I'll tell you how much of it I've watched. Okay. I have watched all seven episodes. I got into it. I had a bit of time on the weekend and I watched them all because they were there. Yeah. I took advantage and I didn't mind it. Look, it's not brilliant. That's a little bit flaky, the story, but I, I, I did enjoy it. Look, it's, it reminded me both of Bay of Fires and Citadel. Bay yeah. of Fires because this one night starts off with a, well, a, not right at the start. The, it starts with a mother and daughter fleeing England. Doesn't explain why. And you're sort of wondering, oh, what's going on here? They creep away in the morning and they cross the channel to escape. Then it jumps, I think, about 20 years. Or was it 20 years? No. No, not 20 years. The little girl, only aged from about two or three to a teenager, yeah. Yeah. Let's call it 10. (laughs) Yeah. And then they're caught in a, like a convenience store hold-up. And it reminded me of the hold-up near the start of Bay of Fires. Yeah, another supermarket shootout. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting. And then we we find out the mother now, who is Erin, Erin Carter, is a sort of a, she's a school teacher. Um, and, well, not a full-time, but a sort of a relief teacher standing in when people are away. She's trying to get a full-time gig. And the sort of show blows out from there. You, you start to wonder, hmm, Lots of things crop up. Is she really just a, a school teacher? Is there more to it? A, l- a little bit like the um, uh, the characters in Bay of Fires. You start to find out things. Oh, they really not what they seem. Um, there must be more to it. And then more comes out as the series evolves. But I've got to say, one one thing that did disappoint me. This got a real shellacking in the Guardian. I saw that a one-star review, a one and I star read review. it. I kind of skimmed it, and yeah. then when you said you'd watched it all, I was like, "What?" <laughs> so, well, the, the Guardian being too harsh. Well, that's no, a and it's a, a journalist, Lucy Mangan, who I really love her stuff. Yeah, so I was a little bit torn when I saw that, but some of the stuff she, some of the things she raises are true. You know that she questions some. She says like the their headline was. Who is Erin Carter and why do we really care? Which yeah. was sort of funny. And in a way, it was sort of right because it, look, this is pretty far fetched, a lot of it. Uh, and- pretty far fetched. <laughs> the thing is so ridiculously far fetched. I couldn't watch it past the second episode. I was just going, this is ridiculous. Mm. 
It's a, you know, I'll tell you the exact moment where I just went, what the hell is happening? <laughs> so Erin Carter ends up, there's a 10-year gap. She goes on a boat from the UK, escapes the situation with her daughter. We pick her up 10 years later. She's living a very comfortable lifestyle. She's working as a relief teacher. Her husband or partner or boyfriend is a nurse. So they're not making that much money, but gee, they live in a nice neighbourhood. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, when she wants to one-up her neighbour, she just pops next door and films the neighbour having sex with someone who isn't her husband because that just very conveniently happens for her, not once but twice. She sees it once and then goes back a second time to film it when she needs blackmail. But here's the moment where I just went, credibility has left the building. <laughs> They're at the school concert with little kids doing a school play and Erin Carter notices this woman give her a strange look and walk off into the school. She then follows this woman into the classroom. They have a big tip, fight, bash, smash up the classroom. She kills her and then another teacher from the school turns up and goes, I'll help you get rid of the body, but you'll owe me a favour. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, what sort of freaking school is this? A teacher should, at that point, should be going, what the hell is going on? There's a bunch of little kids in the room next door doing a show and we're just going to drag a dead body and put it in the car. I was going, this is ridiculous. He's actually the a cop who lives next door, that guy. He's not another teacher. Right. Well, still, I mean, what the hell? How did he know to go looking into that classroom in the middle of the school play to find the dead body? I was just going, it's just really bad writing. I understand that you have to leave, have, have some huge jumps of logic when you're making shows like that. But, you know, then they went to the, 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 the just drove off in the car with the dead body and the cop next door dug a perfectly square <laughs> hole with a shovel and she going, what? There's rubbish. I just switch. I couldn't watch any more of it after that. Yeah, look, okay, it does has a few flights of fantasy, but it's a it's a bit of that sort of series. I mean, every episode there's a set piece, sort of smash them up, violent, you know, like a James Bond thing, which is why it reminded me of Citadel with the spies yeah. on the run. Very elaborate and quite expensive to film, I would have thought. Um, they were sort of interesting. It didn't really add a lot to the plot, but it did make you wonder more about Aaron Carter's background. Um, Aaron's played by, I think, Evan, uh, Ahmed, who plays it. She's a, supposed to be a British substitute. Well, she teaches British students. Yeah. Um, her husband's Geordie, um, played, played by, I haven't got his name down here, but he's, uh, Sean Teal. That's him. And yeah. he was in, I haven't seen him much more. He was in Mr. Selfridge, I think. Um, the interesting character was um, Daniel's Daniel Lang, who's yeah. the rich father of a boy, troublesome boy in Aaron's class. Yeah, uh, he's actually is that Jamie Barber? I think that is. And was he the lead in? Um, he's the lead in Shetland. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. yeah. So there's some interesting characters. Um, but, um, yeah, look, 
you know. I, I feel like this is a TV. I'm getting this deja vu now with a, with shows. You know, we tend to, we're starting to see the, the same shows being made by different streamers all the time. And it feels to me like a lot of these shows are being made by algorithms. And an algorithm says, hey, this show streamed on Netflix and it was, it had these ingredients and women aged, you know, 27 to, 39 watched it and that's a great demographic so let's feed this into the it's like a1 is writing these shows because they they all feel to me to be very very similar you're, you're watching shows and i'm going to talk about this in the next show we talk about you're watching something and you think i've, I've seen this bit before in another show oh, i think i've seen this it, it you know there's a whole bunch of shows that are just kind of pulling ingredients from all other shows i'm, I'm not quite sure that it's 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 working too well for some of them. Yeah, look, Daniel Lang was his character's name. The, the guy I'm thinking of is Douglas Henschel, who is the um, who's the lead in Shetland these days as well. Yeah, he plays a sort of a, a mysterious character. I, I quite like him. He's very good. Um, but the one thing that, um, that Lucy Mangan did get right in her Guardian piece was that the sort of star turn is by um, Susanna Fielding, who plays the other teacher Olivia yes and she's a bit sort of out there yeah she's she's quite funny some of her scenes are good yeah um, she's the one who's on drugs at the high school that's it, yeah she goes yeah. I'm so high I'm having an out-of-body experience like what a school <laughs> to send your kids to one teacher's high and the other teacher's killing someone in the classroom your kids are going to be sitting in tomorrow that is one nutty school it is and the other person I like, uh, Denise Goff, who turns up as Lena um, and she gets out of prison and she wants to get, get in touch with Erin Carter or whatever her real name is to find she's apparently got some loot from a crime that uh, Denise Goff's character Lena has been in prison for. Right. Uh, you'll be just shaking your head going, what the hell? Um <laughs> well, I figure there's some stolen money somewhere for her to be leading this incredible life in Spain, given yes. she arrived there on a illegal fishing boat with a daughter on her hip. Clearly, she had some sort of cash that I guess gets explained as the show goes along. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. It, right. um, I don't know if by the end of it you're completely um, clued up on who Aaron Carter is, but um, are they leaving it open for a second series? Yeah, I think there yeah. could be could be some more to it. So it's a who is Aaron Carter? Netflix seven episodes. I think it seems to be a Spanish British co-production. Yep, and um, we've seen a few of them lately too, haven't we? Yeah, filmed in Barcelona. It looks like um, well, a lot of it anyway. Um, so there. Now, look, coming up, we're going to talk about One Night. And after we do that, we've got um, going to look at some um, this numbers were released this week for all the different subscription TV platforms, which makes interesting reading. Paramount have got some interesting programs coming to their um, platform in September. Andrew will talk to us a little bit about Pluto TV. But before we get there, I think we've both been able to only watch one episode so far of One Night. Yeah, yeah. So this is the new Australian drama uh, about three friends who were went to school together. Um, we pick up the story maybe 20 years later. Uh, 
Two of them still seem to live in the same small coastal town that they grew up in, which is like Thoreau, yep. south of Sydney, Wollongong, very beautiful location. So that's uh, Nicole De Silva and Yale Stone. Yale Stone uh, lives in a house on the beach. She has a bunch of kids. Um, Nicole De Silva is looking after her dad, who's not well. And Nicole De Silva has written a novel um and then we start to see flashbacks we know that something traumatic has happened to probably that these girls are all aware of in the past and then out from the uk comes jody whittaker and her wife played by cat stewart now this is where it gets interesting james so <laughs> jody whittaker is the british star that every tenant paramount show now seems to have you make an australian show you bring a british star out and so jody whittaker's there but jody whittaker's playing the australian girl who grew up in australia cat stewart is putting on the English accent, playing the girlfriend. I mean, there's a there's a turn up. So yeah, of course they all get together, and uh, there's you know there's there's tension between these three girls when they reunite, and clearly something really really terrible happened. There's there's clearly there's some form of violence. So I'd say that there's a male perpetrator involved. There's some guy in the town who uh, they're not very happy with. Um, so yeah, I I got to admit though, James, the cast is great. It was great to see supporting characters in there like Tina Bursell and I know Noni Hazelhurst's coming along. But again, as I just said before, I had this sense of deja vu watching the show. I was kind of watching it, going, oh, I feel like I've seen this before, and we have. We've seen several dramas this year alone that are female led dramas that are looking back at a violent night from years ago i mean black snow was about about a bunch of you know people who went to school and 20 years later they're trying to figure out what happened on this violent crime 20 years ago which is yeah. the plot of one night and the other thing that really was unfortunate for me we've just watched the lost flowers of alice hart which is also about domestic violence perpetrated by men on women and the Asha Ketty home on the beach, on the headland, looking at that beach was identical to the house that Yale Stone was living in. I get it. TV shows want people to live in beautiful houses and have great views in the back because it makes for great TV. But wow, it really similar. And I think it's really unfortunate timing that the first episode of One Night is launching on Paramount Plus on exactly the same day that the last episode of The Lost Flowers of Alice heart is uh dropping on prime video and we shouldn't compare the two shows because they're two very very different shows but thema thematically they are about very similar plot machinations and there's a very similar location in both of them so it's a shame that uh the two shows are screening i think so close together yeah i'm not sure if it matters that much um this does have a bit a much more contemporary feel. I mean, yeah. I know, I know Lost Flowers was contemporary, most of it too, but this one just feels, I don't know, it was, I look at Lost Flowers and I keep thinking it's a period piece, but I know it's not in, yeah. in actually, is it? But, but 
this one just feels a little bit more contemporary for me, maybe because it started contemporary and Lost Flowers starts as a period piece. Yeah. Um, I thought this was very classy, though. I thought it was really well done. Um, Easy Tiger put it together, Ian Conley, Rob Gibson, and Ali Henville are the, the team doing some great work. And, boy, are they getting some um, commissions lately. They're just, you know, pumping out a lot of stuff from everything from um, Colin from Accounts. Um, they did Doctor Doctor. They've got this. They've got a few more. They did the 12. Well, they um, just won a Logie for the 12, right? Best yeah. Australian drama of the year. Most outstanding. Yeah, and it's a diverse slate they've got too. But this just, I just really, I liked this. I liked Nicole De Silva was character was great as Simone and that whole sort of story about the novel she tries to get published and then tries to stop it um which is linked to the story they're all sort of still coming to grips with from their past yeah and that's that's quite fascinating and I thought it was a great way to sort of you know tangle that into the plot and and really want to make me watch to see where this goes yeah, I would have loved to have watched another episode to see if it's if it's planning to head in a slightly different direction. Because at the moment, it feels to me like oh, yeah, I kind of feel I know where we're going with this because we've seen shows that have been a bit similar to this. Uh, but yeah, we've only seen one episode, so it's very early days. I mean, look, the cast is great. I love uh, Nicole De Silva in anything that she does. And one of the little touches I really liked in it is that Yale Stone's beach house was a bit messy. You know, she's got a bunch of kids and there were kids' pictures all over the wall and it was a bit untidy. And sometimes I think on TV, stuff we are over-art-directed. Everyone lives in these beautiful, perfect mansions with, you know, books stacked neatly on the coffee table. And it was it was like, oh, great, Yale Stone is actually a real person she lives in a house that's slightly messy so <laughs> nice touch for the art direction on that yes yeah and there's a few characters to come that aren't in that first episode um you mentioned um uh noni hazelhurst Hazel yeah. was she in that first episode at all no she wasn't but i see no. her in the cast list so i know she's coming yeah and les hill turns up as a detective right so. wow it's been a while since we've seen him in something I know he'd been home and away, of course, and I remember he was in, was it the first underbelly or one of the early underbellies? He was in the first underbelly, and then he was in Rescue Special Ops, Ops. for nine. Right, right. I haven't seen him in a lot since. No, I think he's done a few commercials, I might yeah, have. I've seen him on a few commercials. I know he's still out there, but yeah. Oh, uh, is it William Zappa who plays Don, who's Nicole De Silva's father? Yeah, she yeah, cares really for great. That's a great role. That's um, he really has some fun with that. Uh, yeah, he's he's very good there. But yeah, look, I'm really into this. I'm I'm in, enjoying it, as you say. You know, pity we we only got the one, but I think when that happens, they're sort of. That means maybe they they were still fine tuning some of those other episodes, and yeah. um, we they they hadn't delivered them. I think it goes up. When's it go up? September 1? Um, well, yeah, it's Friday. Yeah. Friday, yeah. September 1, yeah. Yeah, okay. So watch out for that. So that's one night and it's on Paramount Plus. And, you know, Paramount Plus has been having some pretty good stuff lately. Yeah, they have. They look, they're, look, they're investing money in local production, which we love, right? For sure, for sure. Look, talk to me a little bit about Pluto TV. Um, it was announced probably, I don't know, a few weeks ago that this would be coming. 
I think it launches today, we August 31 or September 1. Um, it's there. I've just had a look at it. So this is uh, part of 10Play now. So 10Play has been testing Fast TV since the beginning of the year. Fast TV is a concept whereby TV channels are streaming in traditional old school free TV ways in that if it's a half hour show, uh, it runs from 7 to 7.30 and they get ads to take that 23 minutes to the hour. You know, so it's advertising supported. You watch the show, there are ad breaks, but it's free. Yeah. Um, and so it's just launched on 10 Play. There are 51 channels. I should point out, though, that some of these channels have already been operating on 10 Play since the beginning of the year. So there's 51 channels, but there's not 51 new channels. It's just taking a bunch of other 10 product and putting it under a different banner. Right. There's a couple of new shows that are here, though, and some of these shows haven't been on Australian TV for a while. So there's a Happy Days TV channel and there's a Dynasty TV channel, the original one with Joan Collins, and that hasn't, you know, obviously Dynasty hasn't been on TV for a long time. So I had a look at it today. I was watching it for a bit. There is one thing that it's not doing, though, that Pluto TV does in America, and that is that if you go to Pluto TV in America, they have all those channels that are running, and if you want to watch one of those shows, sorry. Yep, that's all right. So sorry, you, you can – it's not the same experience here as it is in the U.S.? No, it's not. Sorry, I was just grabbing something off my dog that was making a bunch of noise that really <laughs> putting me off my game. The squeaky toy, for God's sake, doesn't play with it all day and then plays with it when I get on a podcast. So, <laughs> in in America, you can what you can go to say Green Acres, for example, and it's running twenty four hours a day on its own TV channel. However, right. they also have it on demand, so you can. Choose Green Acres and go through and go, I want to watch that episode. I'm not seeing that yet with these Pluto channels on 10 Play. I just did a search for Dynasty and all that came up was the 24-hour channel. Um, the other thing I'm not seeing there is I'm not seeing any new Australian content yet. Nothing new. So... My plea to Paramount and 10 is if you're going to do this, it's great to play I Love Lucy and Gunsmoke and the original Hawaii Five-O because they're part of the Paramount Library. I love it. But you've also got to give us some old Australian content. If you're going to go old school, we want some old Australian content. I want some new Australian content that hasn't been replayed for quite a while. That's what uh -huh. I want to say. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Now, look, while we're on the subject of Paramount and the Paramount family of brands, they've got a some bunch of classic movies they're putting up on the platform on in September. I gather these are all from the Paramount vault because they've got a massive movie library, and you'll probably yeah, know when I mention some of these titles. So I've, I've just picked out six that are six of my favourites. I think you'll probably uh -huh. like them, but I'll, I'll run through them. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yep. A beauty. Chinatown. Jack Classic. Nicholson. Jack Nicholson, Faye Dunaway. Brilliant. Saturday Night Fever. Yep. Soundtrack alone, you'd watch that, right? Yeah, yeah. Roman Holiday. Yeah. That's, Audrey that's, that's two Audrey Hepburns in those four. Um, Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. 
Yeah, a real classic. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people should watch that. And then The Conversation. Oh, uh, um, yeah. Not quietly as well known, but um, uh, it's a Francis. It's it's a I don't think early Francis Ford Coppola. I it think. is Francis Ford Coppola. It's Gene Hackman, and he's a he's recording conversations, which was very big in the early seventies with Watergate, and everyone was bugging everybody. Of yeah. all those movies that you've just mentioned, that is the one that stood out to me because. Saturday Night Fever and Sunset Boulevard and all those films we've been able to see on, you know, other streamers and Foxtel and all of that. But The Conversation is the title that my ears picked up on because I thought, wow, there's a Paramount classic that hasn't been doing the rounds lately. And, uh, you know, people who love The Godfather and are interested in the work of Francis Ford Coppola would be interested in watching that. Now get some of this cast, will you? Um Gene Hackman, you already mentioned. John Cazale, uh, one of the stars of the the, the uh, Godfather franchise, I think. He, some great acting in there. Frederick Forrest, who I'd forgotten about, but he did some great work. Uh, Cindy Williams is in this. Wow! Um, yeah, was it was it Happy Days? She in Happy Days? She was Laverne and Shirley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went on to yeah. Um, and get this, it's uh, I guess one of the earlier roles for Harrison Ford is in it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this was also, this was pre-Star Wars, pre-Happy Days. Um, but yeah, both Shirley Williams and Harrison Ford had starred in American Graffiti just before this. So they right, were okay. hot because yeah. George Lucas's movie, American Graffiti, had been a big hit. So anyone that was in it, Richard Dreyfus too, they were all really, really hot and uh, their careers were just starting to take off. And you can see, a, you know, a little bit of a Francis Ford Coppola sort of bunch of favourites emerging. Uncredited in this, playing the role of a director, is Robert Duvall. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, there you go. James, to our listeners who like uh, to hear what we have finished and yes. our thoughts on it. So, you know, weeks ago we were talking about a – Mini series from Spain called Nacho about a porn star. Yeah. And you watched the first episode and said, Oh, it just seems like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I can't watch that for eight episodes. And, and I said, I can. <laughs> and so I did. And what a waste of freaking time. Oh, really? That's literally all it was sex wow. and drugs. And the, the thing was, when you actually Wikipedia the real Nacho, because he is a real life person, he got involved in this huge. Uh, drug scandal, and he got arrested. That's right, I remember. There was yep. there was a massive thing. So the the reason I kept watching this show was it's like oh clearly we're going to get to that point, but we never did. It was just him working in porn, having lots of sex, and nothing about the drugs. And when it ended, I was just like, oh god, why did I do that? So I'm taking back my recommendation <laughs> for Nacho. It wasn't a, a new Venino. It was. Eight hours of my life I'll never get back. Right up there with The Idol, which we should point out this week was officially cancelled by HBO, not coming back for a oh, second I'm series. Games. No. You said you liked it. Oh, I did. I did. <laughs> wow. No more. Uh, it's, well, it's no surprise, is it? I mean, it's it, got, no surprise. it got such a flogging but everywhere. Yeah. I think I was better. But you know what? Time. It wouldn't. Listen, if people had watched it, of they'd course. be making more episodes. We yeah. flogged it, but clearly the numbers for it were appalling or 
HBO would be going, who cares if people hate it? Let's make more. If the numbers were there, they would have made more. <laughs> okay, look, subscription TV numbers, the, the different platforms. I've talked about this in the past and I, I ranked what I think are the best and the best value. It's great to get some actual data. The good people at Telsite do um, get access to the numbers. They work as consultants to a lot of the platforms with strategy and things like that. Yeah. And they share the numbers with them. And it becomes like it's the industry standard, if you like. So leading now... Everybody, all the different platforms were actually up year on year, except for one, and that was Netflix. Right. So, I mean, people are putting that down to the password sharing, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, and password sharing and the general sort of cost of living inflation that's around. Everybody's costing everybody more for their food, their petrol. So people have got to cut back on stuff, right? And um, I also heard on Radio National this morning, they were talking about streaming services where you get you, it's very, very hard for you to cancel. And they were talking about a case of Prime Video where a woman had uh, thought she'd cancelled it and then discovered that they were still taking the money out of her account. And it was, she asked them for a refund and they, of course, weren't going to give it to her. But then they got a phone call from the ABC and suddenly that woman got her refund. But, yeah, they were talking about that in terms of government laws in terms of it's very, very easy to subscribe to these streaming services. It's not so easy when you want to cut that, cut that monthly subscription fee and pull out. Yeah, and we should say it's not just subscription TV, it's hard to get it out of a sub. If you subscribe sometimes to a newspaper or news brand oh, or yeah. or anything, it's just they bury it away, don't they? The, yeah. the details of how you can stop <laughs> the payment. The two hardest things to find on any website is how do I stop my subscription and how do I contact you and speak to a real person? <laughs> That's the stuff you'll spend the rest of your day looking for on that website. Yeah, it's absolutely. Okay, these numbers. So Netflix was the only one that went down. They still have 6.1 million subscribers in Australia. Okay. Um, Second, Amazon uh, Prime Video, 4.5 million. So there's sort of that gap between first and second is closing. They're up 9% year on year, but they have had a pretty significant price rise recently. So that could impact future growth. Third was Disney on 3.1 million. Uh, fourth, Stan, 2.6 million. They're up marginally year on year. Binge at 1.5 was fifth. The biggest growing platform, and it's still relatively new, Paramount Plus, they were up 8%. They've got 1.4, but they did have a half price offer just before last Christmas when, um, when, uh, the Tom Cruise film, Top Gun Maverick, there yeah. you go. I found it. Uh, Top Gun <laughs> Maverick came out. So, but you had to buy for twelve months, I think. So, that those subscribers are still on board. Whether they all resubscribe and keep growing, you you wouldn't be sure about that. But look, and the average spend of people who subscribe is thirty six dollars a month. Yeah, right. So, I mean, my top, I would, my top ranking is, I think binge is still the best value. You can get it for 10 bucks now in HD. The downside is you will get a few ads, but I don't think there's a lot. So yeah. 10 bucks, 
And the ads are only at the beginning, right, on Binge. Just before the show rolls, there's a couple of ads. Have they ever stopped something halfway to play ads? Good question. I don't think they stop dramas, comedies, and reality. I'm not sure, like lifestyle programming. I'm not sure about that. Um, I reckon Amazon Prime is still probably the second best value because you get other benefits. You get Prime, uh, you get, was it Amazon Audio? You get a lot of Amazon books you can read, uh, free delivery on a lot of Amazon product. So it's sort of value there. And I think third one for me would be Netflix. Yeah. So I, I reckon those three, but those three are going to push you close to $36. It's still cheaper than playing paying $100 a month for Foxtel, which is what lots of us did oh, for years and years, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you can make an, you know, maybe you get two of those and then just go in and out of some of the other platforms, you know, like Apple TV. I don't think that you need to have a subscription to Apple TV all the time. You go in there, you know, for a month, I don't know, every four, six months, watch yeah. all the good stuff they've got. Yeah. Um, next week we'll be talking about, I think, the morning show season three, right? right. So, so that's something I'd want. Yeah. But, you don't need to keep it there all the time, you know. They've had some great stuff, but I think that's one of those uh, platforms you can manage in and out. Disney Plus, I would also put that in that category. Stan, I'm not sure. I, you know, Stan have a lot of good stuff, as do Paramount Plus. So it's, it's well, I I watch. There's always something for me to watch on Stan because if they don't have an Australian drama, they've got a RuPaul's Drag Race from somewhere around the world that I'm watching. So I yeah. watch Stan. All the time. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, there's most of those platforms have arguments why you could subscribe. You yeah. Know? So, it's but it's a hard decision, you know. It's it's hard for um, when, you know, that cost of living is going up, how do you cut back on your, your entertainment? Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, before we go, James, yeah. I've got a TV tip for next week. Yes. On September the 6th on episodes airing in Australia on Foxtel and Binge, Dick Van Dyke, who's 97 years old, Lordy. is guest starring in Days of Our Lives. No, cut it out. 97 years old and he's doing a soap. Do you know how hard it is to do a soap? No rehearsal. Turn up, know your lines, one take, do it. That's how much of a legend Dick Van Dyke still is. And they reckon um, the president's too old. I know, I know, right? <laughs> and here's Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. Doing it at, um, at what, 97? Amazing. 97. I think most people will have worked out what our show of the week is. Yeah, it's got to be one night, right? One night, yeah, process yeah. of elimination there. So yeah, congratulations on that one night. We'll be looking forward, and we might talk a bit about it when it's finished. Yeah, I think so. We've got to come back and look at that have one. A look, have a look back at it. Yeah. All righty, Andrew, well done. Thank you for that. No worries. Um, don't forget, if you want to get in touch, you can send us an email at comments at tvgold.au. Thanks, Andrew. We'll speak to you next week. Thanks, James. Have a great week. <laughs>